Iron Man goes rogue, so Tony Stark fires him. But wait, aren't they the same person? As Armor Wars continues, Iron Man reclaims Stark technology in a deadly battle with the villainous raiders. But when he attacks scientist and hero Stingray, public opinion of the Golden Avenger falls lower than ever. How will Stark get out of this one? I'm Eddie Webb. And I'm Chris Spivey. And today we're going to talk about issue 226 of Iron Man, chapter 2 of Armor Wars, here on Speechless. Welcome to episode two of Armor Wars, where we're going through a 80s run of Iron Man and a little bit of Captain America. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, we talk about a particularly interesting chapter of Tony Stark's life. And this one is uh, it's going to be interesting because Chris and I have, have different opinions on the, the, the character that features in this one. And the fact that Chris knows who he is and I don't care. <laughs> the legendary epic Avenger called Stingray? You don't care about I, the man, the suit, the aquatic. Yes, Stingray, the, the, the character who has hundreds of comic book solo issues, has served in several Marvel movies, the one that everyone knows. Stingray, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would call him the Aquaman of the Marvel Universe, but Aquaman's actually cooler than that. Well, and we have Namor, who we Namor will be seeing amazing. very soon in live action. L- little, little feet wings and all. Oh, God, I'm so excited about that. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Namor as much as fun as that would be. Instead, we're going to talk about Chapter 2 of Armor Wars. Uh, I'm not going to recap previous chapter. Listen to the previous episode if you want that. Dive right in. So we start off uh, kind of in Medias Res, uh, where... Um, a three-character group known as the Raiders, uh, who are, if possible, even less well-known than Stingray, show up to attack uh, an Air Force plane while it's in the air. Uh, The pilots pull out uh, some electronic components that they are shipping uh, to try to stop them boarding. Uh, One of those electronic components appears to be a gun. Uh, The Raiders burst through the side of the jets, and one of the pilots gets sucked out. His name is Hank. We find that out just as he's dying. So <laughs> Hank begins and ends with only a first name. Uh, so the Raiders uh, come in as the other pilot is trying to level off the plane due to the explosive decompression. And they just start unpacking the components they're there to steal. Uh, but as they are doing so, uh, Iron Man appears holding Hank next to him inside the plane and talks about how cold it is that they were going to just murder a man for a theft. Can we take... Uh, Oh, yeah. Sorry. Can we take a moment to discuss the logistical nightmare that the Raiders had before them? Even even though I, I mourn the loss of Hank if Tony hadn't showed up. But think mm-hmm. about it. They're unpacking a bunch of small little, little electronic devices. They yeah. have nothing to store them in other than the crate they took them out of. How are they going to carry, we'll say, a dozen of those each? I, I will point out that on the bottom of page three, um, one of the characters is holding a green bag. So obviously they're going to take these very fragile components, electronic components, and shove them into a green duffel bag, apparently, <coughs> and just sling it on their back. Kudos. I, I missed that, but yeah. <laughs> it's still not good. <laughs> 
I think it's pretty clear that the Raiders are not the sharpest spoon. They're, 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 they haven't really thought this through. I, I uh, love the Raiders. Like I, I remember reading even I think the other issue they mentioned about them. I love the concept of them, if not the actual execution and their armor that seems to be incredibly limited. Yeah, because uh, the Raiders basically are they have they're similar looking suits, but each has a distinct power. Um, uh, one has uh, lasers, one has kind of a force field, and the third one is a energy shield and net. Uh, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, so the idea of a team of villains that each have complementary powers is kind of an interesting concept, but they're usually, I mean, I mean they did defeat Iron Man once uh, in issue 145, according to the subtitle here. Um, I haven't read that one. I'm going to assume Tony was just drunk or something on that day. <laughs> uh, but uh, interestingly, the fight here lasts all of basically two pages, three pages, but um, because Tony has the uh, neutralizer packs that we saw last issue, uh, he puts one on the first Raider and just shuts him down pretty much immediately and literally just flicks him away with the finger for the, with a great crumpsh sound. Uh, and then the second one tries to uh, take control. Sorry, uh, he flies to the pilot thing, shooting bullets that Tony kind of has to deflect, um, and then actually holds the pilot at gunpoint. Uh, Tony flies out of the jets, uh, and the Raiders thinking, ah, we got him to leave. And then uh, over the radio, Tony tells the pilot to duck, and he does, and then Tony comes through the front of the plane, smashing the second Raider into the back of the pilot cockpit. And... A, a plane currently going through explosive decompression, I have to assume shattering the windshield is not going to make that situation any better. Maybe. I don't it know. creates a wind tunnel from the broken window, from the broken windshield all the way through the cracked open door that then presents enough air pressure that levels off the plane. There you go. That's, 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 just, that's just good science right there. <laughs> Uh, so the second one's neutralized. Uh, the third one decides it's time to flee and activates his energy shield and, and energy net. Energy With, net. Yeah, it's a siphon net, technically. Siphon net. Uh, with heat-seeking circuits. So the little balls at the end of the nets can wrap Tony up. And uh, to the Raiders' credit, it does control him for exactly one panel. Before he rips it apart. <laughs> so to summarize, he has ripped apart an energy net made of energy. Has, has, is now in tatters. Now, can can we discuss the actual science behind the energy net? Because the balls have to be real, right? If there's circuitry in them that makes them seek something. Right, presumably. So that means the energy net then must always... Sorry. The siphon net must always be a solid construct. So equivalently, you've limited the capabilities of this Raider because if we're looking at the different panels, he's always holding it in one hand. Right. So it is not only a dubious weapon, but it also limits his ability to fight even more so. And the nets is supposed to drain armored people's energy. So there has to be some kind of activation sequence so that it's not draining him constantly. 
it, and it's just, it's just nonsense. It's just, just beyond, it is just glorious comic book nonsense. And I love every bit of it. Uh, but so, um, T flies away, uh, to, tries to fly into a cloud bank. Tony manages to catch him because he has radar, because why wouldn't you have radar if you're an armored hero? Puts a, uh, disruptor pack on him and he starts to fall because he can't fly anymore because his energy has been disrupted. Tony grabs his ankle right before he hits the ground, somehow not pulling his leg out of his hip as a result. My first thought uh, was about poor Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker. And yes. why why couldn't Peter have been this fortunate? No, no. Gwen Stacy uh, had her neck snapped. Uh, side story, but I actually read an interview um, with uh, the artist on that issue. And apparently it wasn't until like really near publication date. They, were, they weren't sure if they were going to kill her or not. So the snap sound effect was added, like like one of the last things they added to the panel before. Oh, yeah. Uh, and interestingly, um, uh, simultaneous simultaneous to this uh, in Mexico, they were translating those Sp- Spider Man comics at roughly the same about a month behind, uh, and they got a misprint which did not have the sound effect, and then they realized when Stacy was killed, so they actually started creating their own. Aranya Man comics where Gwen Stacy never died. Oh, that is incredible. I, I, I know, I, right? I have to track those down. It, it's, 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 just, it's such fantastic. It's like, going, yeah, well, we don't like your canon, so we're going to take your licensed comic and just do our own thing with it. <laughs> so, Apparently, they're doing stuff like recoloring uh, um, MJ's hair to be blonde, <laughs> re dialoguing stuff. I want to know what uh, they did with MJ then. Oh, all right. Uh, That's on the to find list. Right. Uh, but anyway, so um, uh, he flies off. Um, we go to uh, a Long Island estate uh, where um, they're seeing a uh, report about uh, Iron Man saving the government secrets and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and uh, two men are watching this, and we find out that one of them is uh, Edwin Cord, a man who looks has a kind of a grayish flat top. Uh, and he's talking to somebody else that we don't know who it is at the moment. Uh, but he references Project Firepower. Uh, Edwin Cord is actually uh, a rival. A lot, a lot of times we talk about like Justin Hammer as a, like Tony's like big kind of uh, business rival. But Edwin Cord is actually another one that I believe he actually predates Hammer in the comics. Uh, Does he predate Obadiah? I if you know, I'll stop your head. don't remember. Because um, he, came, he came in like around the 140-ish comic book range um, because uh, there was a point where um, Tony was actually dating uh, Cord's daughter uh, and then she got controlling share of the business and there was some kind of, like he was going to actually absorb her to kind of absorb her business, try to help save it and she refused that because she wanted to keep it going and so there's a whole kind of subplot happening there. I think Stain came after that. I'm not 100% on that. Stain's uh, first appearance was issue 163. Did okay. I just use a couple seconds to Google? Yes. Yes. Okay. You should. Yes. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so so cord predates stain, but stain comes before this. Because yes, because before all of this, uh, stain acquired uh, Stark Industries, and the Stark company we see now, Stark Technologies or Enterprises, is actually a spinoff company that Tony started up afterwards. Uh, but anyway, um, so he references a uh, project Firepower uh, that has been delayed 
uh, but will somehow get vengeance on Tony Stark. Uh, so Tony flies back to Los Angeles where uh, his enterprise or where his uh, business is. Um, he's, he wants to kind of rest up, but he can't because he has to do some business stuff. He realizes he has some uh, messages. Uh, so he uh, he goes to his office to get ready for the messages, talks to Rhodey about getting um, uh, ready to, to see him in his office. Uh, Miss Evergast comes in with a huge stack of paper. And so he's like, what's that? And it's like, these are your messages, just, just this morning's messages. So I'll get you the rest. Uh, and so a lot of them are from uh, lawyers and media people who are concerned about Iron Man's hardline attitude. Uh, Tony or Rhodes comes in to try to talk to Tony, but then he's pushed aside by a whole bunch of other people who all say they have urgent business with Tony. Uh, Abigail just kind of shoes the mama out except for uh, Marcy and his lawyer. Uh, and uh, in a, pan, a, a panel I just love, uh, the lawyer informs Mr. Stark that Stiltman is suing for excessive use of force and the controller's cult has filed a class action lawsuit for the infringement of their freedom to worship. <laughs> I just love that. It's like, if you're going to bring the law into this, it works both ways. <laughs> um, so, so uh, Marcy, you could... Oh, go ahead. They, and Stiltman's suing him too. And I, I will give you the freedom of worship thing because that is just like brilliant. But mm-hmm. Stiltman robbing a robbing somewhere is suing him for excessive force, but he would have used the same amount of force for every single person he's fought before. So I'm, I'm that dynamic and that questioning of that is interesting com- compared to everything else. Oh, no, I, I very much read that as I know I'm going to jail. I'm going to file a counter lawsuit just to kind of keep myself out of jail for a while longer. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the, the freedom to worship one was, was interesting because it's like, no, that was mind control, but it was packaged as a religion. And it's like, I don't know if many, many other, I take it back. Uh, Baron blood in the teen Titans did do that tactic, but that's the only one I can think of. Uh, the new teen Titans, the Marvel one, that's pretty good. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Marcy's concerned about the, the PR that's coming out of, Iron Man's attitude, and so he's like, "I want a face-to-face meeting with them." And he's like, ah. "Tony's like, well, that would that would be awkward." Um, and just as it's about to blow up, uh, Abe Zimmer, which was the hacker that helped Tony out last issue, uh, he says, "I need to see you right away." So uh, Tony and Rhodey uh, fly off, uh, and uh, during that, um, Marcy again kind of she's she's very frustrated, and and that's impinging on her relationship with with Rhodey. Uh, Tony kind of recaps uh, what, what happened with the, the Raider attack. Uh, and then they uh, arrive at um, AccuTech. Do you talk to Abe? And Abe points out that there was a glitch in the program he wrote and one of the names was deleted. So that list that Tony got with Ant-Man's help is not complete. So there's one other armored person that could be anybody. So we kind of recap uh, the situation we had last uh, issue where Tony's going through all the potential armored characters and he starts vetting them out. It's like some of them, uh, I, you know, for logic, logic, elimination, or just people I know, I can do that. And he narrows it down to one possible name, which is Stingray. And as Chris Man, points out, legend. everyone knows who Stingray is. So I don't possibly need to recap that. But for those of you who maybe have missed the legendary Stingray, I will mention that he is an 
He's a guy that works for the government, and he does aquatic research. And that's basically all I know about him. But he was also an Avenger. You keep saying that. He was on a solid set of Avengers. I want to say it was around like the in the 300 somewhere during that time where they had, well, not on that specific team, but they had people like the Eternal Warrior, Cersei, um, had like an array of just a rotating cast of people. And for about five to ten issues, if you look in the little corner where they used to put their faces, there was like Captain America, Wasp, Stingray, and other people. I mean, on the one hand, that gives me hope that this is actually meant to be a meaningful character that maybe I just missed the nuance on. But on the other hand, everyone has been an Avenger for about 10 to 15 issues at this point. <laughs> I mean, Wolverine was an Avenger for 10 to 15 issues. Well... This is also a point in time before the Avengers had their sort of like renaissance and they were in the in the dregs of just trying to get through. Like I personally have loved the Avengers from almost from the jump, but they have primarily been, other than a few key characters, about B or C tier characters that are all the Avengers. Yeah. Until they hit a renaissance and they just became like it became equivalently the Marvel version of the Justice League, where they put all their heavy hitters on there. Mm-hmm. And it became a thing because the Avengers even had Sandman on there for a while. Don't get me wrong. Sandman is super powerful, but Sandman it should not be an Avenger. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, certainly 70s-ish Avengers, which is the only era I'm really familiar with right now. I'm actually reading slowly reading through uh, a big run of them. Um, but like that was definitely the home for cast off characters. So like they had Beast on there for a while, which is between... X-Men being canceled and being resurrected, uh, you know, for the, the Chris Claremont era. Um, so he was on there. Um, uh, the Swordman was on That's there. That's before time on the Defenders too, right? Yeah, yeah, because Beast career is actually interesting because like X-Men, uh, he goes to the Avengers while Iceman and Angel were on uh, the Champions, which is yet another, let's throw some random characters together team that lasted 14 issues. Uh, then uh, they, the three of them actually met up in the New Defenders for about 25-ish issues. And then when the X-Men rebooted, they kind of started migrating back into the main X-Men book. Uh, although they took, a di- they took a while for X-Factor. They actually joined X-Factor for a while there before they fully got integrated back into the X-Men book. But X-Factor is the greatest concept ever. We're a group of mutants pretending not to be mutants who hunt other mutants to then help them <laughs> which it's it is a concept that almost makes sense until you realize if you're that mutant who's on the run with your awesome powers we're going to hope you're mutant with awesome powers right. and you get jumped by these five people in matching outfits who are pretending to be mutant hunters in public you're not going to like go gentle on these people you're going to go all out and that creates mass carnage potentially and lots of property damage as you're trying to escape and stop these people from, to the best of your knowledge, killing you. And also a team that is continually surprised by the fact that people get increasingly paranoid and intolerant of mutants and don't understand that they're part of the problem. (laughs) Uh, But we're we're not here to talk about X-Factor yet. Yeah, X-Factor is usually better. But anyway, uh, so... Um, speaking of the Avengers, uh, Tony does get a uh, Avenger uh, request, into which we learn that uh, there are three priority codes for the Avengers: red, yellow, and green. It's only a yellow, 
uh, but he still goes to uh, where he is based, which is, I think we talked about his last issue, last episode, but um, he's actually on the West Coast Avengers right now, which is the Hawkeye run team, also based in LA. Uh, and they call him in to talk about what Iron Man's going on. They know that Tony Stark and Iron Man are the same person. Uh, and so they're like, hey, what's going on? He's like, Tony's like, it's personal. And they're calling him out. It's like, you know, you're, you're taking the name Avenger too literally. This is some kind of vendetta. Uh, and Tony's just like, ah, just trust me. And then flies off. It's like the only three panels of actually talking to the Avengers about it. He basically kind of just flies in, literally walks from left to right through the Avengers and then flies back out. He, he, he's not really communicating with them at all. Well, it's one of those things also, even when I read the panel, my first thought is you've got an OG Avenger that helped form the initial team being questioned by the, the offshoot team and mm -hmm. some of who worked for S.H.I.E.L.D., which S.H.I.E.L.D. itself then, at least in the comic version of it, is not necessarily the nicest agency mm -mm. to be questioning someone else's motives. And I'm curious, though, if this happens before or after the Mockingbird Ghost Rider incident in West Coast Avengers. Uh, you know, I don't know. I That happened pretty early on, but I actually don't know the timeline. Of that. I think it's around that time. Because Mockingbird talking about a vendetta that she rightfully had is... A spin to take, given like yeah. everything that's running around that, and what happens. Right. Yeah. It, it's the you could read it as her pushing this hard to take tension off of her. <laughs> um. So Tony decides that he's too tense. Uh, so he actually uses his uh, suit to call uh, Ray Costa, Ray Lacosta. Sorry, um, to play tennis. Uh, so they're bantering back and forth, uh, playing tennis at a, a, a club. Um, she asks, hey, what's going on with Iron Man? He flubs a swing and decides that, uh, that he's not going to play tennis and is heavily implied that they're going to have sex instead. We uh, cut to uh, Marcy and James not having dinner. Uh, she, James is talking about how he's in a kind of catch way too because she's pushing him hard to... Uh, help him uh, help her understand what's going on. He's like, I can't. I I uh, I made a promise, and I, I don't want my little two to compromised. And so she's like, Okay, well then, I guess like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. And Rose is like, Maybe that's best. So clearly, their relationship is trending down. Uh, we got back to the next morning at Tony's place, where uh, Ray's wearing a, a shirt, but non shirt. So again, we're clearly had sex. Um. So uh, Tony's like, hey, I've had, I thought about this. I'm going to go ahead and confront Stingray. I'm hoping that I can just talk to him about it. Uh, they're, he's flying with, with Rhodey, and Rhodey's like, so why'd you bring your armor along? He's like, well, in case it doesn't go well. Uh, so they go to Hydro Base, which is an artificial island that uh, serves as the East Coast Avengers base of operations. So I'm guessing this is a time where Stingray actually is an Avenger then. Protected by the incredible yes. Stingray protected by Walter Newell is his real name. Um, so, uh, you know, I do mentions... find it interesting though, that even in his comment, it's a good thing. My, my wife, Diane's off shopping. Yeah. So that infers that his wife lives on the base with him and possibly other Avengers that are there. Yeah. And this is, it's one thing I've always found interesting about the Avengers is there's almost always a married couple involved early on that wasn't true but like uh actually 
Yeah, right. Because um, I can't remember if Hank and Janet were married in 63. I think they were. Wasp and Ant-Man. Oh, maybe, yeah. Um, I thought they were dating, but yeah, they may have been married. I actually don't remember. Uh, but yeah, they're, uh, uh, Hank and Janet. Um, then there was uh, 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 Viz and Scarlet Witch. Uh, now we have uh, Stingray and his wife. Um, Hawkeye and Mockingbird were actually married during the West Coast Adventures. Uh, so it's something that I never really noticed till recently. Like, there usually is... I mean, there's also romantic tension and, and soap opera, which fades in and out depending on the writer. But there usually is an explicitly married couple somehow involved with the Avengers and not just like Ant-Man where, yes, I have a, a, an ex-wife somewhere that we never see. It's like, no, the, the, the married couple is, is either also a superhero or involved somehow in the super arcs. I wonder if part of that was originally because of the comic code and that sort of like helped cement family values. Yeah, maybe. Or the concept of family values. That's entirely possible. I think that's why uh, the Fantastic Four got some passes because they showed an explicitly married couple and then a married couple raising a child. Other than Reed Richards is an asshole. Like, just hands Reed Richards, oh, I love Fantastic Four. Reed Richards is absolutely an asshole. I, I, I will not deny that. So during one of my, my mini YouTube polls, like going into this, I took a side tangent into the Fantastic Four and it looks like there was some stuff about uh, what if in an alternate version that was Sue and Ben, like that would have been an interesting relationship. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually the, the new fantastic four right now is ongoing. Uh, that's oh, with Dan slot. It's wrapping up. Um, ben finally proposes to Alicia after like a gazillion years uh, and they adopt <laughs> two kids. So Ben now has a wife and two kids and it, the thing is the best father, frankly. And it was just like, it's like, we could take lessons from Ben <laughs> to be a dad. It's that <laughs> different. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, uh, they adopt a, a, a Cree and a Skrull child. Um, oh, and, I love and, it. Yeah, and 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 they're amazing because like um, it, Ben's saying has to say stuff like, "Please don't conquer the planet, kids." Like, oh, dad, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wonderful. I love it so much. Uh, anyway, so. Uh, Stingray suits up, Iron Man lands, uh, basically like, hey, I need to confiscate your armor. And Stingray correctly points out, it's government property. You have to get proper authorization. And Tony's like, I'm tired of the legal system not working the way I want to. So uh, I'm not going to steal it. I'm just going to borrow it. And Stingray takes off. And You know, that's like two steps away from Dr. Doom, right? Oh, no, absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Is like, I'm giving Stingray shit, but... You're a government agent. All the news says Iron Man has been senselessly and brutally attacking armored characters. You bail. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> if he says, I'm just, I'm just going to borrow it for a second. It's like, uh, no. Yeah, uh, due process? And, well, you know, due process, yeah, but I just I just need to do this. You're right. I mean, that's, 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 that's like one step from, doc, from Doom just saying, I embody in Latveria and Latveria values are more important. So I'm going to do this because, and you're going to let me, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because while we as the reader understand Tony's perspective, I do think Stingray's reaction here is perfectly understandable. But Tony's just lucky that the incredible Stingray decided to run instead of blasting him into nothingness. 
with his powerful, what does Stinger have? I don't know. He has, he has electric blasts like an eel. <laughs> and what rating do they have in the Marvel system? Uh Oh, you, you wanted me to break up my face rip knowledge. All right, buddy. I don't even need to look. Uh, I want to <laughs> say that they're remarkable. And I think Tony's armor in this version is like an in, incredible or it's either amazing or incredible versus I thought, physical I think, energy. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And I know the suit alone, even when we were at the Raiders and he flicked him with his finger, my entire time I thought was he just hit him with an incredible amount of damage mm-hmm. or translated about 10 tons. There you go, folks. That That is how much <laughs> I played face rip. I love face rip so much. Uh, so Stingray intelligently dives into the water because he'll be an advantage there. Uh, Tony, we're not quite into the era of every suit is specialized for Armor Man, Iron Man. So he just drops the uh, uh, slits over his eyes and mouth, dives in. Um, so and there's a cool that bit where qu- oh, I'm, I'm curious about this. Does that mean that when he's flying, the slits aren't normally down? If he's engaging, the slits aren't normally down. That, that seems like a massive weakness. Yes. So he's getting like bugs in his mouth and his eyes the whole time he's flying. I was just thinking like sleep gas from Natasha would knock out Iron Man. Uh, so um, in past Iron Man issues, uh, it's implied that he has some kind of sensor. So that way, like if it detects things like gas, they will automatically drop. Similarly, like if, um, if he's unconscious and hits water, they will automatically close. So there's a certain amount of automatic systems that occur, and there aren't many situations where having those drop would be a detriment. So I can see that happening, although I think there is an issue where that turned out to not be true. But um, Because there is an issue of Iron Man, and maybe mean this run, I, I may be misremembering, um, where those get overridden and opened up while he's underwater and starts drowning. Uh, but otherwise, yes, he normally doesn't actually have a complete face covering. Which is interesting. Uh, so Stingray um, uses his navigation ability to kind of go through uh, tunnels, uh, whereas Iron Man just plows through the rock, which was a nice kind of Casino Royale moment, I thought. <laughs> uh, so he, Iron Man catches him, and Stingray slips out of his hands because Stingray. Like, nope, nope, nope. You have to quote it if you're to do it. Come on. <laughs> Come he on, slipped out of my hands have... like, well, like a fish. <sighs> I give Stingray credit. He does his one thing very well. <laughs> uh, and also, Tony points out that um, while his armor can handle the pressure, his oxygen reserves get used up faster at greater depths. Uh, so he has to kind of force the issue. Um, so Stingray goes into kind of a a crevasse and so he's like well maybe i can just wait it out and then uh tony just dumps a bunch of rocks on stingray so stingray gets out of the crevasse and uh turns out tony actually puts some power storage pods on either side which shock him as he goes shock stingray as he goes by so stingray is not is stunned unconscious tony puts the disruptor pack on him and nothing happens so Stingray's suit did not actually use Tony's technology. Uh, so um, Tony pulls him to shore, basically wakes up, and is like, you know, hope, hope you understand it was necessary. And Stingray's like, yeah, sure, I'll put that in my report. Uh, so the next day at Stark Enterprises, things are going badly. Mm. Uh, 
basically the U.S. government now is involved. Uh, th- th- there's a chance that I- if Iron Man is not shut down by the U.S. government, Stark Enterprises might be shut down by, by somebody. Uh, so Tony Stark calls for a press conference and basically says that, you know, Iron Man's gone renegade. Uh, he's pursuing some personal quest, which he's unwilling to explain. Uh, so uh, basically Tony Stark fires Iron Man and that is the end of the issue. So Love it. It's, again, one of the reasons why I remember this run is because it, it it does a good job of continuing ramping up attention and it's a for me a very good balance of Tony Stark completely made this situation, but also you can at least understand what Tony's doing. But to be blunt, Tony is not a hero in this. And that's increasingly clear between issue one and issue two. Issue one, he was kind of still focusing on villains, so you can kind of give it a squint. But now he just, like you said, straight up beat up an Avenger for no reason. And the Avengers even gave him an out saying, even though a different side of the Avengers said, we can talk about this, what's going on? And Tony's like, nope, 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 nope. Because if I remember right, this had been, he'd continuously been making the shift even before Armor Wars. And... Mm -hmm. The more we're reading it, I, my, my Iron Man timeline is hazy. So I'm curious if he got so bad. That is why they, I don't know if you remember this, but they killed Iron Man. And they brought in a younger version of Iron Man from the past. Oh. Through like some temporal shenanigans. I'm, I'm vaguely remembering this. so I, I might be a little sketchy on some of it. <clears throat> and he got aged up. But then there was like one of those epic events that happened and it and it was like a, a Tony Stark revamped basically. Oh no, I do remember. This is like the 90s if I remember right. Yeah, cuz um, you're right. Yeah, it was an it was a younger Tony Stark and they brought him from the past and he did that for a while cuz there was also the time period where like um Doctor Strange shaved his goatee and got long hair and wore glasses and looked like mm-hmm. every 90s vampire larp ever. So I'm curious if part of that is because Tony got so bad, almost became irredeemable, and they just needed to like clear the board to try to re- to try to fix it. Well, would it be curious as as we go on? Because uh, we're only a couple chapters in, and minor spoilers, but it's definitely going to get worse before it gets better. Because <laughs> it's he's already been fired, and we still have another like eight issues to go. So clearly, there, there's more to come. Uh, we haven't talked a ton about the art because, again, I mean, it's it's perfectly good '80s Marvel house style. Like if you've read Marvel comics in the '80s, it, it's it's very much looks like you expect comics in that era to look like. Um, this isn't quite as dense as the last issue. There's a little more action in this one, but there's still there's a lot of word balloons and a lot of storytelling. Most of these p- pages have five to nine panels on them. So there, there's a lot going on here. And that feels good though. I think that definitely adds to the tension that you're talking about because you're taking it from both sides. There's like the action adventure part of it. And there's the intrigue part that he's having to try to navigate while still maintaining his business. Cause even in this one, they mention he mentions offhandly, I think in a thought bubble that it is a, a fledgling company. 
Yeah. And that mm-hmm. show stresses that like, while there's all this money that he has and everything else, the company could easily go under if he takes too many missteps. Absolutely. Um, and I think one of the benefits of cramming a lot of story into this is that some of the scenes come across a little more brutally. Like, like the fight with the Raiders only takes three pages and he takes out three characters on an average of one per page. And one of them, like I mentioned, takes like one panel. Uh, so you feel how brutal he's being to those characters. And so the Stingray one is longer because there's a lot more going on there. And I think that was the right call. Uh, but even then, he doesn't really fight Stingray. He chases him and ultimately knocks him out by cleverness, but doesn't actually have a, a punch up with Stingray. Uh, and so again, you see like there's action there and there's a lot of action there, but it's still uh, almost cat and mouse. Um, so it's like you get to the Tony's not still not quite ready to cross that line, but also, he's, he's close. I also think that, that Parvid is, regardless of who he's fighting and how well they're doing, none of them are on par with Iron Man. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I joke about the greatness it is Stingray, but Stingray is many levels below Tony. The right. Raiders together are maybe equal to half of a Tony or like a mark, like three or four suits ago mm-hmm. in the controller. Isn't even a problem for Tony. It's in fact, Tony doesn't want to hurt the other people around the controller. Right. And still man's a joke. Daredevil beats still man. Right. Yes. So it doesn't seem to be like a real reason to test him or the armor yet and try to, to make him make harder, tougher calls. But I think if he was fighting a more powerful opponent, that would actually be a more of an ethical dilemma to see how far he's willing to go. Right. And I'm curious to see kind of how that pans out because right now, you're right. The, when Iron Man actually wants to resolve an issue, he's pretty much going to resolve it. And the, the two issues we've seen have been going that direction. So it's all internal conflict and external pressure, right? Like, uh, the reason why... Tony's just making some steps he is, is because he's trying to protect Brody. He's trying to protect his company. He's trying to protect, you know, his employees. He's trying to think about that step. And part of the reason why, although it's never said, we kind of can take his red, why he's blowing off the Avengers. He's the one, he's the one to bring them into his problems. He doesn't want to put them in the same position he's in. I think so, it's a darker part, actually. I think it's because really? he knows that he's wrong and he doesn't want them to see what he's willing to do, which exposes more of his own character flaws. So it's less for their protection, but more to sort of hide his own issues. That's fair. Um, I know on a meta level, when I read him talking to the West coast Avengers in, in my head, it's just like, well, I could get you involved in punching people with armored suits, but I know you guys are really busy doing things like, going backwards in time a hundred years and being attacked by people who are dressed up as ghosts. Cause that's the kind of shit the West coast Avengers do. <laughs> they, they fought Graviton. <laughs> Graviton. Do you remember, do you remember yeah, the greatness Gra- of that Graviton fight? The, Graviton like the, the was, way they won. Sorry. I don't remember how they won. They used wonder man to describe, to distract Graviton basically. And uh-huh. Graviton put Wonder Man in the bottom of a pool for like eight hours before the rest of the plan was supposed to go off. <laughs> he, he's made of ionic energy, but still, 
How bored did you get in the bottom of a pool with like 200 tons of force on you so you can't move? Oh, man. And that was like peak Wonder Man, like missing all of his auditions and trying to get his acting career going, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I may own the first issue of the Wonder Man comic, too. Oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, West Coast Avengers is always kind of the, as the Avengers slowly slid towards being more central, quote unquote, to the Marvel universe, West Coast Avengers is like, okay, all the bonkers nonsense that the Avengers used to do, it's now going over here into this little kind of corner of, of the Marvel universe. Speaking of which, uh, there was a brief reboot of West Coast Avengers a few years back, which had uh, Kate Bishop leading it, and it's genuinely delightful kate bishop i will always say it like that now kate bishop also hawkeye for yes folks that haven't seen the hawkeye series you need to go watch the hawkeye series and you'll understand why it's kate bishop it is it is a delight i'm sure at some point we'll talk about it but it is a genuine delight it has some issues but you know what show doesn't uh do you have anything else about uh issue 226 Oh, uh, yeah, there, there's one more thing that I was going to let go, but I, I, I'm nitpicking in greatness and having fun doing it. Sure. At the start of the episode, we know that he located the Raiders because anything with his tech, he's equivalently built a tracker for. Right. So why would he need to go through the Avengers files to try to track down this one person he doesn't know? Because if they're using his tech, the tracker should locate that person. I don't think is textually said anywhere but i got the impression there was kind of a range on the tracker because he does say in the opening scenario that he heard the mayday call and then flew to the plane uh but you bring up the point of like if that was true they did still have a tracker he should have known stingray didn't have his tech before all of the stingray shenanigans happened but then we would have missed the greatness of the Stingray showing up Tony Stark. By showing up, you mean getting completely zapped. He avoided it for like three panels. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's an interesting point too, is this runs so far the easy way would have been just to have Tony go through like his rogues gallery, right? Because while not all of his rogues gallery are armored characters, a large number of them are. Uh, but they are starting slow, kind of on the fringes. I mean, like you know, Stiltman was not was really more of a Daredevil character, from what I understand, and a little bit of a Spider-Man character. Uh, the controller was an Iron Man villain, but it kind of fallen out of relevance around this time. Uh, and again, more Sting of a Ray, Captain America villain, right? I, I remember some some runs with the controller and Cap around. Uh, he bounced between Cap and, and Iron Man uh, because in early Iron Man, he was, as inevitable during early Iron Man, he was a communist uh, contractor. <laughs> because one thing we know about communists, they're good at subcontracting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so it, it is going through kind of, like I said, a B and C rank characters right now. If he had gone right for, like, say, Doctor Doom, I feel like this would have been a very different tone. Uh, so he's doing, which to a degree makes sense, which is, let's, let's take the easy wins off the board. Like the Mauler, we didn't even see the Mauler suit up. It's like, here's the suit, I'm out. I have no idea what the Mauler looks like. I've never seen him in the suit. <laughs> uh, 
but but soon we're going to start getting into higher levels of it, and it'll be curious to see kind of how that ramps up. It's it's it's, and this is I mean, in an era where we're kind of used to five to six issue arcs as a as a default, this kind of eight slash ten issue, depending on how you count it, arc is unheard of in the eighties. It did. They were just starting to really play with that. Things like Secret Wars were a separate series. They weren't done in line like this. Having a super long storyline that was explicitly labeled as such and chaptered as such just didn't really happen. So clearly this is meant to be like, this is a big status quo changer for Iron Man. But okay, cool. Um, So next issue is issue 227. Of Iron Man. Uh, if people wanted to talk to you about the glory that is Stingray online, where would they find you? I'm going to start a new Stingray Twitter account. And <laughs> no, I'm not. That is no. Uh, it's just pictures of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's only pictures of under aquatic armored superheroes and villains. Got to be armored. Otherwise, you don't make the club. So it's um, just Stingray. <laughs> no, wait. Uh, Ocean Master. <laughs> it, Black Manta, I think. Uh, I feel like there's one more who's eluding me. So it would be very... Karuma? There's an Atlantean that was a, a name or villain for a while. So yeah, like four pictures, four posts, one right. post per person, out. Um, you otherwise, go. you can find me at darker underscore hero on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Pugsteady, P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. You can find my website, Pugsteady.com. You can find me on the Darker Hue Discord. And otherwise, uh, actually, yeah, use the Speechless channel. Tell us what you think about this stuff. Tell us what you think about our dive into this little corner of the Marvel Universe. Uh, and if oh, you want to if you want to suggest another run or two that you want Eddie and myself yeah. to do, or just Eddie, as I have more fun just listening to Eddie, I think. Um Shoot them at us on Twitter or the speechless. I've got some ideas that I'm going to try to twist Eddie's arm into doing for another run sometime in the future. Cause I am a huge fan of the ultimates and that would be yeah. more fun with the two of us. The ultimates with blue Marvel and captain Marvel and photon and America Chavez and black Panther, not so much the ultimate run for the joke. I resisted making about Pietro and Wanda from earlier in the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Asshole Avengers is not a great run. And uh, so I, yeah, res- I re- restrained from making that joke, but yet I still managed to get it in there. Um, you alluded folks. to it. You alluded to it. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.